You're listening to the Ask Drone You podcast. You ask, we answer your drone questions. Whether you're here to turn your passion into profit or you simply fly for fun, we're a community of learners and teachers who aspire to achieve greatness. We are Drone You. Hey everyone, and welcome to another controversial episode of Ask Drone You. In this week's drone news, the FAA has a ha ha gotcha Christmas gift, providing pilots with one surprise they weren't used to. And uh, we've got quite a bit to talk about when it comes to that NPRM that the FAA released. And I'm sure we'll have a few more shows on that as well as this 300 page document hit the airwaves uh, right after Christmas. And it's funny, Haya, because, you know, a lot of the FAA officials are on vacation. Hmm, weird. But I'm excited to be here with you today and help promote the industry as a whole and fight for our rights. How are you doing, Haya? Very good, and I couldn't agree more, Paul. Thanks for having me on the show again. Uh, we're here live from the Netherlands, where it's already dark at nighttime, but the thing got me fired up. So let's get started with this show this week. Yes, very excited. And let's just get right into this first piece of drone news. All right, very quickly, uh, the FAA did drop a bombshell as they were supposed to release the NPRM on remote ID on the 20th of December, yet they released it the day after Christmas, and many pilots are shaking their heads as to why, but the answer becomes clearer as you dig into the NPRM on remote ID. As quick clarification, if you remember in our previous podcast, remote ID is supposed to be essentially the linchpin regulation to allow for advanced operations like BVLOS, flight over people, um, even things like drone delivery. And this remote ID was essentially supposed to provide law enforcement with a way to identify rogue drones and potentially inhibit anyone from doing nefarious things with these great tools. Albeit with this most recent release of the remote ID NPRM, the proposed rules don't really go in line with the recommendations from the ARC panel, which is rather interesting. And it looks like these recommendations that are being proposed would rather and quickly inhibit the cost of doing business for drone operators. In addition, would also well, make you pay a monthly subscription fee, not only to get internet for your your drone itself, but also, well, uh, you would have to pay a monthly service fee uh, to broadcast information. So with this license plate-like system that we were supposed to acquire, it seems like what we actually got is quite different. Haya, there's so much here. Where do we even start? We can uh, dedicate an entire show to this topic, I think, Paul. I mean, there's there's a couple of things that are important, I think, to point out right away. So first of all, this document is supposed to become officially published uh, on December 1st of this year. And then we have 60 days, basically January and February, for everybody to provide any feedback and comments on this. And I think the big challenge for us as drone operators is that the consumer drone operators, the recreational ones, as well as the commercial drone pilots, 
aren't as well organized and don't really have a clear, strong voice like some of those large manufacturers uh, have. So it's going to be a challenge to uh, to get a lot of people reading these uh, these pages. It's, I think it's almost 400 pages, really. Uh, make sure that everybody understands uh, these new proposed rules and then make sure that they comment and give feedback. Uh, you already hit on a couple of things. I mean, with this, there's going to be additional cost uh, for the operators themselves, but also in a big way for the drone manufacturers as drones are going to get more expensive. They're probably going to be more heavy and uh, it wouldn't surprise me if the flight time gets reduced as a result as well. So there's a lot of stuff going on there. So the overall um, the efficiency drone. that drones provide to other industries then would really be hindered which would also thus really inhibit the growth of the industry as a whole as there wouldn't be as much value for drone operators taking on jobs, taking on missions, and taking on services that would traditionally save a lot of time and money to these other industries. So what you're saying is with Remote ID, we would really hinder the economic benefit that drones provide to a lot of industries as a whole. Would you agree with that? Um, I missed the first part of what you said because we have a shitty connection, I think. Sorry. But um, yeah, I think so. I mean, drones are going to get more complicated, more expensive, and there's going to be more restrictions, meaning that we can't, we can no longer fly the drones as we are currently used to. So yeah, it's going to hinder the industry and the way people can use drones. I mean, the way the FEA is proposing it right now is you're going to have three different groups of drone operators and drones, basically. The first one is the standard uh, remote identification drone. This would be a drone that can broadcast certain information uh, about the drone position, the direction, as well as the pilot, but also it provides that same information through an internet connection. So it broadcasts and has an internet connection at the same time. If internet is not available, the drone would still be able to fly as long as it broadcasts this information. The second group of drones would be the limited remote identification drone. That drone is not required to broadcast, so I would imagine this means that it's uh, less technology uh, advanced, but it would still require an internet connection to provide the same data about the drone, the direction, the speeds, as well as the pilot. If you don't have an internet connection, this drone would not be allowed to fly, and also the drone would be limited to four 400 feet in any direction. So you can no longer fly the drone anywhere you want, basically, relative from where you are standing as a pilot. The third group would apply to uh, hobbyist-built drones or legacy drones. Uh, for instance, your DJI Mavic 2 Pro or Zoom, or maybe your Phantom 4 drone. The drones that are not equipped with any of this remote ID technology can only be flown at FAA recognized identification areas. So these are probably the uh, areas where currently your AMA clubs uh, are allowed to fly remote uh, RC planes. Um, so a lot of the freedom that we currently enjoy is gonna be taken away. Uh, so far, the only positive, <laughs> if you can call it that, uh, that I've seen is that these rules only apply for drones that are required to be registered, meaning that any drone that weighs less than point or 0.55 pounds, for instance, the DJI Mavic Mini, that you do not have to register when you fly it recreationally, would still be allowed to fly pretty much anywhere in a responsible manner. Of course, you cannot fly close to an airport and all that stuff, but you would still be able to fly it. Any drone that meets uh, the registration weight requires these remote identification uh, rules would come into play you know there are so many issues with this while it may be a positive for recreational pilots this absolutely murders our industry um first of all for the public to have every pilot's information on where they're located 
and a lack of privacy is absolutely unacceptable. Um, We have a license plate system already in this country, and it works very well. And it's called a license plate for cars. And drivers have privacy to inhibit things like road rage, where the person can look up your information, drive to your home, and then, you know, shoot the place up or graffiti all over it. Um, The amount of cluster without me saying a, a, a word I probably shouldn't say on, on YouTube so that we can get increased exposure. But this is this is awful. And what this goes to show, Haya, yeah. is that every industry or every industry association, small, unmanned, UAV, AUVSI, all those groups, what this shows is that they do not have pilots' interests in mind at all. They also don't have the industry in mind either because when we're adding burden, 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 Increased costs of drones, increased weight equals decreased flight time. And then when you're in areas where there is no internet, it seems like there would be problems. And there's still, it seems like, some confusion on this issue. As with standard remote ID, if there is internet available and then you lose it, you can still fly uh, you know, with just the broadcast remote ID. But what happens if you don't have any internet at all? Like, what if it's just not available? Are you then limited to the 400 feet lateral restriction that's mentioned in the limited remote identification. So I think there are still some questions here as far as this document is concerned. But one thing I will say, Haya, is that I'm deeply disappointed in every industry that's or every industry association that says it's been going up to bat for pilots. In addition, the fact that the FAA didn't listen to the ARC is unbelievably disappointing. It really looks like this document was uh, written out of fear that uh, you know, drones are a big security risk, and there was really, really focusing on um, fear-based policies because, again, drones are one of the safest technologies that have ever existed in the history of man. I mean, look how many drone crashes that have actually been confirmed and reported. I mean, it's sub three in the last, you know, what is it since drones came out? 2011, in the last nine years. Then let's counter in the AMA, who's had a safety record for over 60 years. This mm. murders our industry because it does a couple things. Yes, someone can buy a Mavic Mini and avoid this whole thing. But as soon as they want to turn their passion into profit, well, it's game over there. But also, it really inhibits a generation that has dreams of taking flight and doing a job that they enjoy, a passion that they love. And frankly, they're, they're really not going to be able to start a business and provide efficient support that saves time and money to another business under these proposed rules. And I agree with you that we are so unorganized and it's a total gotcha because if we don't become organized as drone service providers, if we do not take the time to comment on this NPRM and then reach out to our congressmen and women and our senators This industry is literally going to be cut in half overnight as a lot of people are going to have extreme difficulties in overcoming some of these burdens. In addition, with some of these particular limitations, you wonder if a lot of the life-saving operations that have happened with search and rescue would still be viable. So could you make the, well, rather rash and poignant point that these regulations could literally cost people's lives? Well, in certain circumstances, yes, it totally could. And for every industry association that has the word drone or UAV, you should be fired. You should go home and leave this work for the people who actually care about flying 
and get the F out of here because we're done with you now. So if anyone doesn't realize how awful that these industry advocates, uh, I, gosh, I can't even put into words without cussing. I'm so mad, Haya. But like these things that we've been Here. saying for years yeah. are coming true and no <laughs> one's listening. And now all of our rights are, not all of our rights, a lot of our rights are being taken away. The efficiencies that drones provide to the industry are being taken away. And frankly, I just don't see how this system is even written by the FAA. It really looks like it was written by a completely different group. And if you remember... The remote ID was actually, the NPRM was supposed to come out almost a year ago. And then everything got kind of held up by the security agencies. So I'm really wondering, where is this information coming from? When you had people working extremely hard on the ARC to find reasonable solutions that didn't cost oh. you know, drone service providers, we're not paying monthly service fees for a license plate, and oh yeah, you're not getting all of our data without any privacy. This just ticks every disappointing row of issues with drone pilots when it comes to privacy, saving lives, operational burdens, etc. I totally agree that it's uh, it seems to be fear driven. I mean, the government clearly wants to get a grip on drone pilots and drones and make sure that nobody can use a drone for for uh, bad purposes or, or strap a grenade onto your uh, DJI Mavic like we've seen they do in the Middle East. So they want to know who's flying, where they're flying, where the pilot is, what the, what kind of drone it is, what the speed, the direction is, what the elevation is. They want to know everything and they want to put it in the database, hence the connection to the Internet so they can collect all that data. That, of course, brings questions up to uh, what are they're going to uh, use the data for how is it going to be stored for how long is it going to be stored i think they mentioned in the document for six months uh, but if also the location of the pilot is going to be broadcast and available basically to the general public then yeah i don't know if it's a great idea if the, anybody knows that you're flying an inspire 2 with an expensive camera hanging underneath so there are massive privacy concerns for sure apart from the uh, the expected additional cost that those new drones are gonna uh, have to bring with them basically so it's not great at all but what scares me most really is that if you read through the documents, you can tell that they spent some serious time and consideration on putting this document together. We know it's been delayed, delayed and delayed. Uh, to me, it sounds like a lot of people behind the scenes have already got their ducks in a row and kind of agree on this this document. And now we get 60 days to provide feedback and, uh, and, and provide any sensible comments to this document. But we're an unorganized group. And I am afraid that if we don't get our act together really quickly, we might only have a very limited impact impact on what changes we can make. And um, I, I hate to be pessimistic, but I'm afraid that these rules might become reality pretty soon and uh, there may not be a whole lot we can do against it. Well, we have to uh, yeah. organize. So what DroneU is doing, just so everyone is aware, is we are aggregating articles from all different industry insiders. We've already got two up right now. Uh, we're going to be putting up the article with you at Drone DJ to say these are the big <laughs> issues for public safety, uh, for drone pilot, drone service providers, for, for regulatory issues as a whole, and aggregate all that information and also provide a guide for suggested answers. But, you know, everyone out there, when you are responding to this, your comments need to be unique. Your comments need to be well thought out, and our comments need to be uh, created with class. Because if we do not respond well, uh, I don't think our comments are going to be taken seriously. And frankly, we already know the FAA thinks that we're all Best Buy drone pilots, which is not the truth. And frankly, I would love the opportunity to fly with any 
any executive at the FAA and show them how to actually fly a drone. So come over to the school, let's go fly, because clearly you guys don't know what you're talking about. Uh, Haya, I am, I am f- furious, furious. Yeah. Um, I am so disappointed on so many levels. And you know what? It just goes to show at the end of the day, it comes down to, just like the FAA said, pilot responsibility. Pilots, you have the responsibility. It's time for us to speak up. It's time for us to organize. It's time for us to stand together and make a difference. The thing that we haven't touched upon yet is that this only applies to the U.S. airspace. We're not even talking about Canada. We're not talking about Europe. We're not talking about the rest of the world. So from a drone manufacturer's point of view, you can only imagine how complicated things might get if different areas in the world get different rules and different requirements. Or if you're an international drone pilot and you travel and you document stuff and now you want to bring your drone from one country to the next, uh, now all of a sudden your drone might not comply anymore. So it's going to create a lot of issues in uh, the drone industry and um, I totally agree it's uh, super frustrating because we're seeing so many good things happening with drones so many uh, people's lives are being saved with the help of drones and what we don't need at this point is a massive roadblock like this document basically so there's a lot of things that needs to be sorted out and it needs to happen quickly yeah I could not agree more frankly I could not agree more Um, It also, you know, you bring up a really good point because the FAA has been working really heavily with ICAO as well. I wonder if they're trying to implement this system in other first world countries so that America sets the standard just like the FAA did throughout the world. And then they implement this throughout the world. We are all, all in trouble. So if you even have a second citizenship in America, you better start writing right now. Right. (laughs) <laughs> so anyway, um, you can go to yeah. uh, DroneU.Education and check out where to comment. I recommend that you read a large majority of the document, a lot of articles. Also be extremely careful about the source of articles. I'm stunned by the information being put out on Twitter, Haya. It just goes to show that like mm-hmm. a lot of these drone industry insiders are really just money grab and I'm sick of it. So um, moving on into the next piece of news, which is phenomenal because people realize that drones are not dangerous. Oh my God. All right, so we've got some great news coming out of New York City, Haya. What's going on? Yeah, if uh, I think we spoke about this before as well. Like New York City has a, a decade-old law that prohibits basically any aircraft taking off and landing uh, in New York City itself. And this goes back to, I think it's 1948. Uh, of course, drones the way we know them right now didn't exist back then. So this this rule or this law was built with other goals in mind. However, it prevents people from using them and using drones in very useful ways, for instance, to do building inspections. Uh, If you may know that uh, all the buildings in New York require a inspection every so many years, I believe it is. That's why you see a lot of the scaffolding going up around those high rise and apartment buildings and office buildings as well to make sure that those buildings are structurally sound but even more so to make sure that the facade of those buildings are structurally sound and in a very unfortunate situation last week uh, a well-known architect her name was Erica Tishman walked in midtown Manhattan when one of those pieces of building from the facade came falling down hit her and um, she died basically on the spot 
Now, the problem with these building inspections is that New York City is so backed up that they have buildings that have been in violation for years. I mean, the New York Post last week had an article about this, that there are literally tons and tons of violations and buildings are not in compliance and the city is just not equipped to deal with these situations. Why? Because building inspections is a very manual work that requires a lot of time and that could be done a heck of a lot faster if you were to use drones. Now, Finally, the word seems to be getting out. There are people within New York City uh, who are actually pushing for the use of drones, saying that, hey, there are drones that we could use. They're only 2500 bucks a piece. Probably talking about the DJI Mavic 2 Enterprise Jewel. I would imagine are equipped with thermal cameras that can help you and show possible um, fractures and weak points in a building's structure. So I hope that at least something good comes out of the unfortunate death of this uh, architect, Eric Tishman, and maybe that the city is able to get rid of this decade-old uh, law against flying drones basically in New York City, and hopefully we'll be able to use drones to do these building inspections, get those buildings safe, and make sure that people on the sidewalks can walk there safely. I think it's great news. Great news is New York is, uh, while they were, you know, one of the most restrictive at first, they're realizing very quickly the benefit that drones provide as tools. And I think it's extremely reasonable and I'm extremely grateful that government officials realize the power and uh, they see all the good that it can do, all the good that drones can do. I'm, uh, I'm having some difficulty speaking today because my emotional intelligence meter is rather low, Haya. So, uh, <laughs> oh man. Um, but another good news: uh, drones are saving lives once again. But in the future of America, they may yeah. not be doing so. Haya, what's going on here? Yeah, this is a story about Zipline, and uh, if you are a, a frequent reader of Drone DJ or listening to our news podcast, you've heard about Zipline before. Zipline is probably one of the most active companies when it comes to using drones to deliver blood samples, medication, and other life-saving uh, supplies, basically. Now, of course, they don't fly in the U.S. because it would be way too complicated to get this off the ground here. Uh, neither do they fly in Europe because it's basically the same story. These guys mostly fly in Africa, specifically in Rwanda. And in this case, they just highlighted one incident or one, one story, if you will, where within an hour they were able to save the life of a nine-day-old baby, so very, very young, with the help of drone by making sure that the right medical supplies were delivered in time. Now, in Rwanda, it's very hilly. Uh, during the rainy season, a lot of these roads, they basically transform into mud roads. So getting anywhere, either by, by truck or by Jeep or by motorcycle, would take hours, where a drone can do this in 20, 30, 40 minutes. Uh, Zipline is making a tremendous case uh, for the use of drones to supply urgent medical uh, equipment or supplies and they've been doing that very successfully uh, as of today they've completed more than 25,000 successful drone deliveries so it, it just goes to show the potential that you have when you start using drones this way and if we could do the same in the US or Canada or Mexico or anywhere in Europe or anywhere else in the world I think a lot more lives could be saved so I applaud Zipline for, for basically making this so obvious it's, it becomes impossible to ignore <sighs> gotta love the power of saving lives with drones yeah. right right faa <laughs> anyway i like saving lives i guess other certain agencies don't but anyway um i say that Haya, because i believe that we can have security without giving up privacy 
Oh, yeah. I think there's a better way. And I think, uh, well, Brendan Schulman, I think he's probably the, the, one of the biggest proponents of uh, using uh, DJI's aeroscope, which would have been a great way to identify drones and pilots in a uh, in a much smarter way, I think, than what's currently being suggested by the FAA. Um, yes. Uh, also, I will say, if you listen to that podcast with Brendan Schulman and I, I agree with you that Brendan is really fighting for drone service providers' rights. And I think he also gave us a huge hint in that show that we need to be prepared to stand up for our rights when it comes to privacy. But also, what about a broadcast-only system? We have all these drones that already work in broadcast-only scenarios. And I don't mean direct broadcast to internet. I mean broadcast from the vehicle itself via the command and control link. So with that said, why are we implementing this super expensive, complex structure to essentially provide funds to private companies who are going to sell our data anyway, when at the end of the day, we could implement a remote ID system right now based off of all the drones that already exist and would literally let the industry flourish as a whole? Hmm, weird. It's weird and it's it's stupid because okay. until we can have intellectual debates about these things in the national news, we are never going to be represented in the way that we should be represented. And frankly, I'm just sick of it. I figured this would light a fire under you. So, uh, well, luckily, luckily, we are even speaking to the office of the president right now because this is not something to play around with. Look. The government agencies and security agencies have very real fears about the potential nefarious and negative uses of drones. There are other Mm -hmm. ways to squash these problems without taking privacy rights away from pilots, without inhibiting life-saving missions, and without inhibiting the growth of the industry as a whole, period. Yeah. Well, and, and that's the thing too, right? I mean, if people really want to use drones uh, for, for nefarious purposes, is this going to stop them from doing that? Is remote ID really going to stop terrorists from strapping a grenade to a homemade drone and flying it somewhere at 60 miles an hour? I mean, this is this is a big hindrance, I think, for a lot of honest, hardworking drone pilots, more so than a real deterrent for any serious terrorist, I guess. But anyway. And can we really stop all of the good things happening with drones just because one or two people in 7 billion wants to do something negative? Can we really like can we really live our lives like that? I mean, I don't know. Man. Can wow. At what point is this just an outright violation of the the Sherman Act for like cons, like conspiracy to conspire against business as a whole? Just, you know, there's a lot of like really constitutional like not constitutional, but federal law issues that I see with this. And I think the first person who were to sue the FAA on this would be the person actually sticking up for the government. Unfortunately, I don't have $200,000 to just file a piece of paper in federal court and say this is a bad idea. Maybe someone else does. If you're if you are and you like to fly, I'll I'll give you my phone number. Let's have a let's have a chat. So <laughs> maybe we can start a GoFundMe and collect some money to uh, to subsidize somebody who's willing to do that and who has the ex- the legal expertise to actually pursue something like that in court. I know a couple people like Vic Moss, there you go. Kenji um, Sugahara, awesome guy. There's, there's, Some man, there are actually a lot of really good, smart people in this industry if they would just be, have a voice and be listened to. But I uh, also want to say a big special shout out and thank you to the New York Times for promoting and uh, publishing our concerns about pilot privacy yeah. and the remote pilot ID rules. You know, you asked the question, do you think we can really stop this? 
with the New York Times and a lot of these national news agencies, you know, picking this story up and how much it hurts our industry, I really do believe that we do have a fighting chance. And I'm not going to give up. Mm -hmm. and I'm not going to even question if we have a chance or not. I'm going balls to the wall. And I'm hoping to stand up for our rights to fly. I feel like this is now a pivotal moment in, uh, in our society as a whole, even for manned pilots. Because in addition, what I think also people need to be thinking about is what realistically, you know, this whole thing is, is supposed to allow for law enforcement to view drone operators right now so that they can identify good from bad you know, and with Aeroscope and these other systems like the White Fox system, these things already exist. And, you know, we could put up Aeroscopes as critical infrastructure all over the country for way cheaper than we could implement this remote ID system. So every every pilot, if you listen to the show, you need to share it. You need to read the whole NPRM. I will link the DroneU NPRM page as soon as possible. It's being built right now. We've got articles going up. Haya will have that article to you so that we can drive more people yep. there. Um, I think you've got a great idea about the GoFundMe. Maybe someone, maybe you should start that. I don't know. Um, I don't want to start it because I don't want to look biased. We'll, we'll do from Drone DJ's perspective, we'll do whatever we can do in terms of getting publicity and help people if, they, if they're willing to put up a fight. And if we can help organize people, we'll be there for that as well. Um, I think there are for sure smarter ways to do it. I know uh, specifically about DJI's Aeroscope that they are open to uh, basically making that technology available so that other manufacturers can jump in as well. And that that system could be used not just for DJI drones, but for, for any drone smarter ways of doing it and whatever we can do on our end to help make that possible within the 60 days that we have uh we'll do for sure yeah i agree hi well thank you my friend uh really appreciate your help uh, here yes oh one last the news before you go dji phantom 4 awesome well really excited Good. about that but it might not be very useful in the future <laughs> Most useful drone on the planet it's just got it's coming back. Next. Uh, anyway, I'm really excited about the yeah. Haya and uh, excited that the Phantom is coming back. It is the powerhouse of drones. It is the most value for the money. Everyone knows that. Uh, I guess we'll be putting yeah. out a new review on it since we already have like nine. Whatever. Yeah, I, like, like I told you pre-show, uh, I got an email from DJI saying that they're sending me a model for review. Um, so... We have different sources of confirmation at this point. It's coming back. As far as we know, it will be back as of the second week in uh, in January. Apparently, retailers are already getting their supply and their stock right now. Uh, I don't know if DJI is going to make the announcements around CES. Wouldn't surprise me. Uh, by the way, I'll be there too. So, Paul, I hope to uh, hope to see you at uh, CES in Vegas as well uh, early January. I look forward to it, Haya. As always, hanging out with you is always a lot of fun. So thank you very much for your work. We all appreciate it. And uh, hopefully we will continue to, uh, to continue to fight for our rights to fly. Yeah, my pleasure, man. And uh, I'll see you soon in Vegas. Sounds good, Haya. Well, that's going to do it for our show today, everyone. Uh, while, you know, we're all, we've all been waiting for, you know, the fandom to come back. When is it going to come back? When is it going to come back? Comes back on the eve of this depressing and rather disappointing news. Now, what happens from here is entirely up to you. Do you share the show? Do you talk with your friends? Do you promote it in a group? Do you talk about it on Reddit? Do you talk about it in Discord? 
Do you provide people with suggestions on what to say, how to respond? Are you going to call your congressman or woman? Are you going to make a list of to-do items so that way we can still enjoy the freedom to fly? And that's what I leave you with today on this uh, rather flabbergasting episode of Ask Drone You. We believe that videos, images, words, and sounds have the absolute power to inform, inspire, and entertain. We reject indecision, confusion, and vanity, for they work against the community. We are united under the virtues of safety and knowledge. We are a training community of learners and teachers who encourage and energize each other to achieve greatness. We are pilots, videographers, photographers, freelancers, business owners, enthusiasts, experts, and apprentices. We are creators. We are the Drone Youth.